Hello and welcome to the 20 Minute Marketing Podcast. I hope you are having a wonderful day and thank you for listening to the show. We always appreciate your support. For anyone that is a new listener, my name is Liam and I interview guests on topics like SEO, paid advertising, content marketing, social media, PR and lots more. We try to keep introductions really short and then we'll talk about a specific area of marketing for around 15 minutes, which is then followed by a quick outro, which is usually pretty fun and lighthearted and we get lots of different answers in that section. Episodes are released every Wednesday at around lunchtime in the UK. So please come back and check out our future episodes if you do enjoy this one. I know that we have lots of cool topics lined up that I am excited to share with you. So let's get started and talk about today's episode. So today we have episode number 68 of the show and we have a really awesome guest lined up who is joining us today and I can't wait to get started. So we are going to be speaking with Lee Price from Paddy Power, which needs no introduction at all. Lee is the head of PR and mischief there. So hey Lee, welcome to the show and how's it going? I'm very well, thank you. I'm quite intimidated by that list of topics you mentioned in the intro because I'm not super smart at all. So all the best to anyone listening looking for expertise. I have limited. <laughs> well, we'll we'll see how it goes, but I'm sure you'll do absolutely fine. So we actually started this podcast almost two years ago now, and I've always had Paddy Power on my list of companies that I'd love to speak to. So thank you for making that happen. Uh, we all know about Paddy Power and what you are as a brand, but could you give us a very quick introduction on yourself before we get started, please? Yeah, I'm currently head of PR and mischief at Paddy Power. Uh, which means I'm a professional attention seeker, which suits me down to the ground because I'm a diva. Basically, ask my wife. I am a, a diva at home, too. I trained in journalism. Sounds a bit wanky. Uh, I started as a tabloid journalist, although I didn't do real journalism. I did first person pieces that were designed to make people laugh. And when the editor stopped laughing, I left and ended up at Paddy Power. And I've been laughing ever since. Yeah, awesome. Sounds good. So we're going to be talking about your role in PR, some of the tips that you can share with us, uh, a little bit about mischief and what that means, and a few other things as well. So let's dive in and get started. So I wanted to start with a basic question to kick us off. And I actually listened to a few podcast episodes that you've been on recently, Lee, over the past 12 months or so. And I have to apologize because all of the other hosts asked you the exact same thing. But just to start off, could you sort of define mischief for us and tell us a bit more about what it is and the role that it plays in your marketing strategy at Paddy Power? Uh, no need to apologize. It's a good question. And the answer has two parts, which is probably even more confusing. But mischief in one sense it sums up the brand identity of paddy power where it came from how it should talk across all touch points um, and that's enough of the buzzwords for me but in another more literal sense it means the big activations that that get attention that drive talkability that take pr from simple day-to-day -day press releases to news agenda hacking uh, activations and talking points yeah, awesome. I think it's definitely a unique word. And when you see that word mischief in your job title, it definitely raises an eyebrow. And you can definitely see that consistency too, when you look at previous campaigns and Paddy Power's social media channels. Um, as a brand, I think Paddy Power is renowned for pushing the boundaries and being at the forefront of the sports world. So I'd actually be interested to sort of follow that up with a question on sort of recent events. So have you had to change your tone of voice at all over the past few years? 
firstly due to COVID over the last 12 months, but also just to changes and expectations in society and what people want on social media? Yeah, I think the second part of your question is really valid. When I joined, Paddy Power probably had a reputation as maybe a slightly laddy, um, rambunctious brand. I'm not sure if anyone's used the word rambunctious in the 2020s, but hey. Um, and I think over the last five years since I've been there, there has been a, a certain maturing of the brand, which also reflects the corporate nature of the company that owns it and the growth that's been through. But the past year has kind of been a, a natural part of that, I think. Um, when the first lockdown hit, we made a conscious decision that any mischief, inverted commas, should be paused. Um, we didn't need to be doing stuff for the first, I think that must have been the first two months or so, but people weren't looking for Paddy Power to be hilarious. They were just looking to survive and looking not to be terrified the whole time. And then we reached a kind of a small turning point across the country, I think, where the terror reduced somewhat and the boredom increased dramatically uh, and there's no sport and there was nothing to talk about and you're stuck at home with your flipping family. And we recognised that one of the key pillars for Paddy Power for years, perhaps since the start, has been entertainment. And we felt that actually there's a chance there to reintroduce mischief as if anyone was missing it. But perhaps with less of a focus on being provocative or disruptive or whatever buzzwords you want to use there and more entertaining and just distracting. So we put on what we like to claim was the first major sports event in the UK post lockdown. That was in early June last year. Um, and that was just born out of the fact that we knew our punters and our followers were crying out for, for sport, almost any sport. I'm sure you all saw the domino videos that had tens of millions of views. And I, I think I wasted like a whole afternoon watching videos of dominoes falling over. I think at that point we realised, OK, some actual sport might be good now. So for a while, maybe three months or so, we sort of pivoted towards entertainment. We did a thing in August called Missing Fans, where... We filled the stand at Motherwell with uh, the missing fan cutouts, like everywhere else. But rather than being supporters or dogs in scarves, it was to represent missing people. And again, that was a slight step change for us in that the surprising, uh, provocative nature wasn't in the actual, the gag or the pure activation. It was the surprise nature of Paddy Power doing this. And then I think from maybe November, December onwards, it's kind of back to normal with a consciousness that at any moment your plans could be scuppered by the world going ape shit again yeah i think that's a great example and it really highlights how you've adapted to the challenges of the past 12 months but also covered some really important topics that as consumers and, and as the general public we, we wouldn't always associate you uh with uh, and we wouldn't expect you to cover and just following on from your answer i definitely think that the value of pr has skyrocketed over the past 12 months um, like you said, people are so bored, we just want to be entertained with new content or something different that will provide us um, with a bit of joy or a bit of entertainment for five minutes or however long it takes. Um, and as a result of that, more businesses are including PR in their overall marketing strategies. So I guess my next question then is outside of the mischief element and sort of the fun element of things, how can businesses that perhaps aren't in the world of sport or an exciting industry like yourselves um, how can they create good PR content that is going to generate interest and spark some engagement? Yeah, I think um, this is something I've been thinking about a lot recently. And I think the phrasing PR is kind of a barrier to PR working. And I think if you're the marketing director or, you know, in the, in the sideways um, channel, you think of PR as a certain thing. But actually, PR means so much more than public relations, whatever that means now. It's so much more than, you know, liaising with journalists or pumping out press releases. PR really is at the core of brand building and um, my radical change for the world would be to delete the word PR and 
come up with a better phrase. I haven't nailed that yet, so I won't try and do it now. But I do believe that what PR does now is at the core of good brand work. So in terms of what lessons can you learn from what Paddy Power does, forget the mischief stuff, because that sounds um, intimidating or too naughty. All the mischief stuff really means is finding a, a universal truth that is applicable to your brand or your company and your customers or followers or whoever you're targeting will believe in and then making a point around that. Um, I'll use an example because it sounds like I'm lying otherwise, but we did a campaign called Save Our Shirt where the universal truth was too many bookies were on football shirts and we were going to undo that by sponsoring teams and not putting our logo on a shirt. And that's quite straightforward when you say it like that. And obviously there's a lot that went into that, but usually the best ideas that we, we come across are one or two sentence ideas we go, ah, oh, fuck, of course. That's so simple, it's brilliant. That's always what I say to a good idea. That's so simple, I love it. And I think simplicity is key. Being authentic, like it sounds like I'm on um, Bebo or something, but that's really important for a brand. Like if you're going to do it, do it properly. If you're having to compromise stuff, don't do it. I've spoken to loads of brands. I said, I would love to do something naughty. What can we do? And you sort of like listen to them for a while, make a suggestion. They go, yeah, yeah, we love that. Exactly that, but not that. What is the scaled down version? And you say, well, just don't do it. Like you don't have to. It doesn't have to be naughty. It doesn't have to be funny. It can just be something that is attention grabbing and will make people talk. And that's what PR is at the end of the day and a very long-winded answer. <laughs> I really like that answer because there's definitely lots of different ways that you can create news and it doesn't always have to be this wild or crazy campaign and often it can be staring at you in the face. Moving away from PR for a moment, one of the big reasons why you're so good at Paddy Power is because you have this fantastic social media team that is extremely reactive and they just don't miss a thing. So if something big or funny happens in a sports game or a football game or something, then they'll pick it up and it's on social media in five or 10 minutes with a really cool creative or video edit or something like that. I'd be really interested to know how you manage that from an internal standpoint to make sure that quality is on point and well-received and, and people are engaging, but you're also the first to get things out. So how do you balance those two things? Yeah, I think we're really lucky at Paddy Power that the social media team, A, are exceptional and are huge sports fans and are hilarious, but B, have always had that freedom. I think if you just try and start the Paddy Power social media team now, you get bogged down in processes and, and bullshit, basically, that would, would kill it. I think that we were lucky that it started almost by chance when social media was in its infancy and they, they sort of stumbled upon something, um, not to undo their good work, but... And then it became really respected and powerful in the way that it worked. So we have that sort of legacy behind it. It's harder, I think, for new brands to say, we're going to do it this way. We're going to be super reactive. And then to take the rough of the smooth, it's great when you do a really reactive tweet and it does numbers. But sometimes the nature of being reactive means that certain things slip through the cracks, mistakes happen, language isn't always perfect, or you know you can stray into a territory you didn't quite mean to. And I think you have to know that Sometimes it can go wrong. And that's true of, of brand work generally. I think if you want to be a reactive brand, sometimes you are going to get it wrong. And it takes a brave person to say, I'm going to sign off on this process, knowing that we will get it wrong this year. Because usually what happens, one goes wrong and everything gets shut down. Uh, and that's the wrong way to approach it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people are either too reluctant to give their social media team full control and freedom, or they try to put too much red tape in place, which slows things down too much. And then uh, posts become uh, irrelevant or perhaps they're the last to jump on a trend or something. 
Have there been any scenarios for you when something has gone really wrong uh, and you've had to try and fix it? Or do you just hold your hands up and, and own it if that happens? Usually the, the, the thing that goes wrong is that it's not very funny, right? And it just doesn't do any numbers and it's not a big deal. There was a, um, a thing last year where we do a weekly video called Fan Denial, where we basically take the piss out of people on the internet who are slagging off their team because they've lost. And it's always really funny. That's done externally by a, a dedicated team who trawl the internet for these mad people and I don't envy them. Um, but there was an example of where a phrase was used, um, which was homophobic. And the person who uploaded it had missed this phrase, didn't know what the phrase meant. And it was published. And as soon as it was highlighted, we had to go, oh God, how's that happened? Delete the video, review the process, apologize. Um, and not just apologize, set up learning sessions for our staff so that they can understand terminology in this area better. Um, and that's quite a heavy and deep example of something going wrong. But also, that's the real world. Sometimes there are phrases that someone might not know is offensive or the context might get lost or things are rushed, etc. And that was a mistake. And we did apologise and we did do work to, to rectify that. But it didn't mean we then suddenly stopped doing fan denial. We stopped doing Twitter video. We just had to, to sharpen up some of the learnings and the processes. That's a really great story. And I think it is very difficult because if I use myself as an example, I'm 27 now and I feel like I'm not down with the kids at all sometimes. Some of the language that is used on Twitter and on social media channels, uh, especially in the world of sport, is very difficult and it's different to what we used. Um, so it's hard to keep up with that. And it's hard when you have to communicate with lots of different consumers across the broad to set the right tone. The thing we face, because we're A, a bookmaker, but B, because of our, our history, sometimes media misrepresent a mistake like that as intentional which is obviously really difficult to take because it, it was just a genuine mistake. But, you know, I guess if you uh, live by the sword, you die by the sword. If that makes any remote sense in that context. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on to a bright topic, you mentioned the Save Our Shirts campaign earlier, which I really enjoyed. Do you have a favorite campaign that you've worked on? Uh, it could be that one or a different one and maybe some reasons why. Yeah, Save Our Shirt always gets wheeled out and I always feel... A bit weird because it's the obvious answer but you know hey we still about simplicity earlier it, it did really well we actually really planned that strategically scenario planned it had a backup plan had a plan c believe it or not and it worked to how we, we planned it and so that was really satisfying the other one that i'm really proud of was the 2018 world cup where it was held in russia which had you know a slew of issues that you could riff off but we, we were the only people talking about the rainbow colored elephant in the room of Russia's anti-gay rights. And they passed a bill, I think, earlier that year. Um, but weirdly, no one was talking about it. So we did a thing called Rainbow Russians, where every time Russia scored, we donated £10,000 to an LGBT plus charity, um, which is great. Russia won their first game 5-0, immediately destroying the budget. So um, that was either something that went wrong or went really right. And then Russia progressed much further than expected in the tournament. So we ended up donating £170,000, despite budget in 50000 But Actually, the campaign got um, great momentum behind it. And it was really satisfying to be part of that, not least because I appeared on CNN News wearing a Russia shirt in America, which um, I'm sure was baffling for certain viewers. Yeah, I remember that campaign. And it was really cool because it made Russia's games a little bit more interesting. Um, and it got people talking for the right reasons. Are there any other campaigns from brands that um, aren't yourselves that have hit you on a personal note or that you've really enjoyed? You said hit me on a personal level, it was a bit deep, but do you know just um, the reactive KFC press ad from, was it 2018 now or 19 when they ran out of chicken and it was the FCK thing? 
like really simple but brilliant and what i loved about that was just just you didn't need to explain it even though i'm now trying to like universally i think everyone would have got it and it turned a really shit situation for them into one that they could own and and use as as like value for themselves so it's perhaps not the deepest campaign no offense kfc but it's one that i'll always look at and think i wish i was part of that that was a really good one and i feel like fast food brands like kfc and burger king always excel when it comes to pr um and they're really good at creating stories and aren't afraid to push the boundaries i think it was really interesting last year when kfc removed the finger licking out of their strategy due to covid um and touching your fingers and things like that so that was a good reactive campaign that they did uh, which considered their tone of voice and whether their slogan was suitable for what was happening so i have one final question you have all of these great campaigns the save our shirt campaign the russia campaign how do you measure them in terms of success is it based on numbers or engagement rates is it feedback from a certain audience group or is it something else going to let you in on a little secret if my mom texts me saying i saw that thing you did i know it's worked um that's obviously a joke but kind of partly true i think um when i came to paddy power they were like oh yeah this thing did amazing it got 25 press hits and i was like yeah but i literally worked in the media i've never heard of that thing um and it's trying to really be strict to yourself because it's lovely to be able to retrofit results and say it was a success which we can all do for most pr things unless they really are shit but it has to be an element of quality as well as quantity. And I'd much rather an amazing hit in the Times, for instance, than 400 local websites that are read by three people. So we introduced a Olympic rating scale where we had all these preset conditions that would qualify coverage for gold, silver or bronze. And that was a way of distinguishing the bullshit from the real good stuff, uh, the bullshit from the good shit. So um, you would say then, this had 100 pieces of coverage, you still get your big number in, of which there were six gold medal pieces of coverage, which were sexy thing A, sexy thing B, uh, and so on. Um, and then that's kind of expanded to the campaigns too. So it's lovely to say we got 2 billion eyeballs on Save Our Shirt on social media, but even I think I might be lying about that. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that number doesn't mean anything. So how would you drill into that? Um, you tie in things like brand consideration, brand awareness, engagements are good on social, uh, it's a good number too, um, and shares. But there is always this sort of unquantifiable thing of, um, there's a thing we did at Wembley last year for the Ireland England game. And within, I don't know, five minutes of sending out the press release, I was getting WhatsApps from people that I haven't spoken to for years saying, just saw that thing you did, amazing. And I thought, how the fuck have you seen that? Like, I've just sent that out and it's, it's just that, that real feeling internally. Like, again, we've saved our shirt. I, the morning that we'd gone live with the reveal, I was on the train into London, and there was two blokes sat in front of me talking about it. And I was like, am I on the Truman Show here? Like, what is going on? This is crazy. But it's that sort of thing where you go, okay, we have cut through. We have reached beyond, you know, the marketing sphere. We've all got our heads up our backsides. Real people are thinking about this. Um, and I'm sure there's a stat out there somewhere that someone listening is screaming at their device. But... Um, I think sometimes it is hard to quantify true success. That's actually really interesting because I had a think during your answer and I'm pretty sure that the Save Our Shirt campaign made it into our WhatsApp group with my friends um, and we were talking about it back then when it came out. So that's something that can't be measured. So there is a lot of stuff going on that can get missed or it's not as simple as just counting impressions or engagements on social media when you're evaluating the success of a campaign. Yeah, we do call it the WhatsApp effect actually at Paddy Power. And we say, how can we get this thing flying on WhatsApp? 
which is a ridiculous question, obviously, because how would you know if you succeeded? But um, yeah, it's that unquantifiable magic that you just feel sometimes you've got it. Uh, and it only happens rarely, which is, I think, how you know it's real. Yeah, that's a cool way of looking at things. I really like that example. And I think it's a great place to sort of close out this main section. So thanks for sharing some wonderful stories on PR and mischief with us, Lee. I have two quick questions that I'm going to be asking that are really fun and lighthearted to close out the episode. So stay tuned with us for a few more minutes. So the closing section of every episode that we release has two questions that are always the same. And I like to ask them to everyone that joins us. They're usually pretty fun because we get such a wide range of answers and everyone has sort of a different story to tell. So the first one, Lee, is do you have a memorable story from your career that jumps out at you? It could be something funny, something embarrassing, maybe something that was really inspirational or just something that you look back on fondly. Um, so I'm actually leaving Paddy Power next week. So I've been quite reflective um, of my five years over the last few weeks. And the story that keeps coming up is actually quite a terrible one, really. But it's just it kind of sums up the, the brilliance and the madness of Paddy Power in one anecdote. So I think I'll share it. We made a documentary series in 2018 about a non-FIFA World Cup called Kanifa. And as part of that, we flew to various amazing places like Zimbabwe and Tibet. And while in Tibet, um, we've been going to the same restaurant every night because we were British and Irish idiots who wanted their beer and their certain foodstuffs. But food poisoning finally got to Paddy, who is a real person, by the way, and was the front man of our documentary. And on this day, we were at a local cup final and Paddy was the guest of honour and was to hand over the trophy. But he was in such a bad way that just before half time, I had to take him to try and find a facility to use to before he does his big moment on the pitch. And basically, we found like these little toilets we both went into, both weren't feeling great. It was basically a ditch in the ground which flowed through the cubicles, you want to call them that. And part A of the embarrassment was halfway through, I heard gasp from Paddy and something drop. I mean, the drop part wasn't that surprising, but it was his, you know, his posh sunglasses that his wife had bought him for this trip. And they just flowed past me. I was like, great. Uh, and then when we came out, we realised that the bathroom seats we used were actually belonging to like a, an independent girls' school that was next to the pitch. And we, we emerged to a, quite a baffled looking uh, crowd and scene of people. So in many ways, that was a low light of the trip, but it, I found it very funny. And I remind Paddy almost every time I speak to him, which I'm sure he loves. <laughs> That's definitely a unique one. And one of those things that you'll be able to look back on and laugh at for a very long time. Um, the final question is more of a serious one, but also pretty fun. So do you have a favorite marketing or PR resource that you use on a regular basis, which could help our listeners? So it could be a blog, a podcast, a book, um, a website plugin, a newsletter, or something like that. It's hard to give an answer that's original from the usuals. Um, I guess there's a good reason for that. But um, I obviously like campaign. I obviously like marketing week. I like PR week because that's their job is to round up all the good stuff that's going on. I find key people to follow on like LinkedIn and Twitter is handy too. Like Andrew Block is relentless on those platforms, but he saves me having to look around for this stuff. Um, so he's worth engaging with and he's a nice bloke. So there's that. There are podcasts, but I can't remember the names of them. And if I was on another podcast, I would have suggested this podcast. So I would say keep listening to this podcast. Sounds good. That's a great summary of all of those resources. And thanks for the shout out. Um, we're going to wrap up the episode right here. Thank you for being an awesome guest. I really appreciate it. I've loved this episode. Um, thank you for joining us, Lee, and all the best in your new role. Thank you.
No worries. And thank you to everyone for listening. We'll be back with another cool and unique episode next week. So have a great week and we'll see you then.